Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, we gather this morning to celebrate the commemoration of all the faithful departed, All Souls Day. Yesterday we celebrated All Saints Day, right? All those who have made their way home, those who responded yes to the bridegroom's invitation to come to the feast, those who they've washed their garments in the blood of the Lamb, and they stand around the throne. And today we celebrate all souls, those who are on their way home, right? Those who are the church suffering, the souls in purgatory, those who died in an imperfect state, and yet they're promised the beatific vision. They're on their way. They're on their way. You know, the Catholic custom, the Catholic custom of this day is that we would be praying for the dead. We pray for the dead every day, but in a particular way, we pray for the dead today. We make visits to the cemeteries. We pray rosaries and chaplets. We've got the names of the dead listed there. We pray for the dead today. And I guess one of the things I was reflecting on is just the question, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because the objection would go something like, I mean, it's not going to do anything for them now. There are many of our Protestant brothers and sisters who think that this custom that we have of praying for the dead is a bit ridiculous, maybe even heretical. You can't do anything for them now. So why do that? Well, is that true that our prayers don't do anything for them now? Here's how I would respond to that. There's a, there's a deeply human intuition to keep caring for the people we love even after they've died. Those of you who, it's all of us, I'm sure, at this point, we've all had the experience of attending to someone who's making their way through the dying process. Like, I'm thinking right now, it was January of 2020, my last grandparent, my dad's dad, my grandpa, was dying at my parents' house. He had pancreatic cancer. He was diagnosed in October. He died in January. And he spent the last month and a half of his life at my parents' house. It was a beautiful gift. And those last two days in particular, it was just kind of round-the-clock vigil at his bedside. And I happened to be the one... Uh, well, he died around 2 o'clock in the morning. And... Uh, my dad just had a really hard time being in the room still, which I understand. And I had the great honor and privilege of being just in the room with him, with his body after he died. And I, my dad had asked me if I would just watch as, you know, and just make sure that as the, the funeral home folks came in to receive his body. And I, I remember being so struck by the, the immense level of care that they had for my grandpa's body, a corpse now. Like, we still take care of the dead. We still take care of them. We still take care of their bodies. We, we do things for them that are so utterly unnecessary. I mean, the monuments that we build, the tombs that we've constructed are utterly unnecessary, if you really think about it. It's not benefiting them in any way, but why do we do that? It's a sign of the fact that it is right and just and it makes sense to continue to care for the dead. 
as I was praying through this, maybe this is not going to land with anybody, but as I was praying through this, I was brought back to a scene from a movie. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie. It goes back decades now, but My Girl, remember the movie My Girl? There's that scene at the end of the movie where um, Thomas J., who's played by Macaulay Culkin, he's died, spoilers, okay, we're like three decades on now, but, you know, spoilers. So Thomas J. dies, he's, get, he's a, attacked by all these bees and he dies from anaphylactic shock, and he's laying in the casket in the funeral home in the funeral parlor, and his friend Veda, she comes down the steps, and it's this gut-wrenching scene as she's bewailing and, and crying out, saying, she's asking, where are his glasses? He can't see without his glasses. And every adult in the room is just sitting there, you know, stunned, not sure, not sure what to do. Like, why am I bringing this up? Because there's an intuition that we should keep caring for those who we love, even after they've died. And why would, why would our, the bonds of love that we've established in this life, in terms of intercession, of praying for each other, why would that stop? Why would that stop? The bonds of love that begin in this life, they're not deleted by death. They are completed. They're completed. Like, I think about, I heard this story years ago about St. Padre Pio. St. Padre Pio, he heard, uh, he found, he got the news of one of his relatives who had committed suicide. And, you know, it's not rapid telecommunications back then, so it's not as though he found, he got a text and, you know, minutes after the suicide. This is days or weeks on from the fact that this relative had died. And he just found out, and he pauses, he closes his eyes upon hearing this news, and he begins to pray. And the person he was with asks him, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying for my relative who took his life. And the person was puzzled by this, like, he, he's dead already. And Padre Pio's response was, you don't think that the God who is outside of space and time is able to take my prayers for him today, right now, and apply the grace to him back then? Like, you don't know the God that I worship. Like, our prayers are efficacious and powerful. I had a friend say to me recently, and I think he's right about this, he, he said to me, one of the, he thinks, he goes, one of the worst things I think that Catholics do is that we automatically canonize everyone that we love. That we just automatically assume that those that we love are already in heaven. It's like, he said, please do not do that when I die. He's like, I beg of you, have masses said for me, say mass for me, pray for me, offer rosaries, chaplets of divine mercy. And he goes, I will need all the help I can get. He's right. Don't assume. Don't assume. When I die, if I die before you, don't assume that I'm in heaven. You get over to that office and you have Masses said for me. St. Jose Maria Escriva, he said this, by our prayer and mortifications, by the offering of our work, and above all, by applying to the souls in purgatory the fruits of the Holy Mass, we will be able to help them make reparation for their faults and thus to reach heaven it does something. It does something. Like our God, who, who is union and communion, our God has done something extraordinary. He's drafted us into the work of salvation, of being part of the project of bringing souls home to heaven. 
Like, he really means this, that there are graces he intends to give to souls in purgatory that come as an answer to your prayers. What do we get to do on this day of all souls? We get to be like those friends of the paralytic who lower the man through the roof into the presence of Jesus. That's what we do through our intercession, through our prayers, through our mortifications, through our rosaries, through our chaplets of divine mercy. We lower these people into the presence of glory. Our love for the dead, it must never rest in forgetfulness. Like we should speak with them in affectionate prayer and we should speak on their behalf to God in fervent intercession. And that's what we do today because we are the mystical body of Christ. Amen.